T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, here we go on a Friday. It is Cody and Gold minus Cody. He'll be back with us on Monday. Alex Gold, Drew Nixon with you. Just two of us for the first hour. Then I got Pete Sweeney stopping by from 11 to noon. Our Chiefs insider from Arrowhead Pride. We'll talk all things Chiefs with him. And then Josh Vernier. Royals baseball is on the air today. How good is that? Royals baseball, 2 o'clock this afternoon. Spring training gets underway. It's a good feeling. The lineup is out. Make all the jokes you want. Bobby Wood Jr. not in the lineup today. <laughs> Gets that big contract. Uh, no. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino, though, is in the lineup. So at 2 o'clock today, when we get off the air, we'll hand things off to the Royals Radio Network. Looking forward to that. But Vern will actually join me prior to that from noon to 2. We'll talk a ton of Royals, but we'll also talk Chiefs and everything else. Uh, plus, I'll get his perspective on the trash of the day. Looking forward to that conversation. You guys can... Of course, hit us up on the Jay's Southland Tow Service text line, 913-586-7610. And we are streaming, as always, on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. Looks like everything's good to go on that end. So uh, looking forward to hanging out with you guys for the next four hours or so. I, I wanted to start, though, with, with something that I've seen come up a lot when we've discussed Chris Jones and what a deal looks like and what are you as a fan right now as it sits in 2024 going to be okay with in 2025 and 2026 because that that does matter based off of if you're telling me you want Chris Jones here long term and I don't know who really doesn't what are you willing to accept as potential performance down the road if he is making the kind of money it is likely to take and the the example that we get asked a lot about and that's why I wanted to start the show with it on the text line is Aaron Donald we know over the last couple of years, it has always been, hey, Chris Jones thinks he should get Aaron Donald money. He thinks his play has been at the Aaron Donald level. And at least for one full season, it was. You'll hear from Mitchell Schwartz, who was on with Carrington yesterday, talk about whether or not he thinks Jones is worth a Chris Jones deal. But here are where the comparisons and similarities lie. So Aaron Donald, we all know, after the Rams Super Bowl win against Drew Cincinnati Bengals. Sorry, buddy. We know he That's got okay. he we know he got an extension. Three years, ninety-five million dollars. That happened when he was thirty-one years old. The difference here on Chris Jones, we know he won't be thirty until the start of the season. So he'll be a year younger when he's trying to get a similar type of type of deal. 
Aaron Donald at this point is in the final year of the, the extension. There's there's dead dead years at the end of it, right? Where even though the void years, I should say. So when he's 34, $16 million uh, on a cap hit. And then when he's 35, it's a void year uh, of $8 million when he'll be 35 years old. And I'm guessing this could be the final year for, for Aaron Donald in the NFL. But are you okay with when he's 33 years old, making $33 million, $34 million based on production? And I think a lot of you would do the trade-off here. So we know what Chris Jones has been. This particular season, he ends up with 10.5 sacks. The prior season, 15.5. We know Kansas City was not willing to meet his price this past offseason. Now he's coming off the season in which he helped to win a Super Bowl. Didn't have as many sacks. Still was dominant at times, to say the least. Played in a few less games, or a le- one less game, I should say, with week one. But he's a year older. So if I told you that next year, on a brand new deal that is going to average out to be close to $30 million. A number, by the way, the Chiefs weren't willing to go to a year ago. And next year, when he's only 30, he has another double-digit sack season, but the next two years. So when he's 31 and 32, what if I told you they were the same as Aaron Donald, production-wise? Because the last two years of Aaron Donald, when he was 31, he only played in 11 games, five sacks. Last year, when he's 32, Played in 16 games, had eight sacks. I think that is the conversation you have to have, obviously, internally as an organization, but also as a fan. Are you good with Chris Jones in two years making like $32 million, but maybe as an eight-sack guy? I, I feel like the the fact that Brett Veach has proven himself to be a very good drafter, uh, particularly on, on the defensive side, I think it would ease your mind a little bit with even though even if his production was single digit sacks for one of if not both of the last two two years on the deal I think that's reasonable for people to take because they know while his production level may be a little bit lower you know that you can draft a guy that could be his eventual replacement that he can come in and groom and it's not going to be that bad of a transition period I guess in terms of him getting more PT the rookie and then Chris Jones finishing out his his contract. I think that gives you a little bit more ease as opposed to if you were go, saying you were going all in and you needed to have him get double-digit sacks the final year of the contract, and you, you just know he's not going to be able to do it because Father Time catches up to him or whatever the case may may be. 913-586-7610. I, 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 my assumption is that most fans, if I gave them the trade-off of, hey, Chris Jones is locked up for three more years. That means he's here next season. And there's this uh, path where maybe his cap hit isn't much like you were alluding to, Drew. Next year, it gives you the opportunity to even franchise tag Legereus Sneed still for one more year. And so basically, I'm giving you one more season of Chris Jones and Sneed together. I think most people would sign up for that, even if it means the two years after, when he's 32-33, that perhaps, whether it's injury or just performance, he's no longer the guy that, you're paying to be $33 million a year. Like that's the, that's the hang up for me. Like I want Chris Jones back. This team doesn't win the Super Bowl this past year. If it wasn't for Chris Jones, I mean, he was part of reason why this defense of course was as good as it was. And I think it's hard to argue that Chris Jones is not more valuable than Legereus Sneed is to this defense. And that's not a shot at Legereus. He was incredible this season, but just positional value. Mm -hmm. And the chiefs have shown they've actually had a lot of success developing at the cornerback position. 
And so I, I feel that's the balance, and you have to be okay with that. If you're if you're a Chiefs fan right now and say you're you you gotta find a way to bring him back, then in two years, you 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 only wait almost you almost have to be good then with the possibility, not a guarantee, but the possibility that he is suddenly like a seven or eight sack guy. Again, I gave you the numbers what Aaron Donald has been since the contract extension. Chris is a year younger, but uh, at the time of signing it, if they get if it gets signed, but five sacks and eight sacks and only played eleven games one of those years. It, and it, it's easy to say, well, if they win a you know, if if they three peat, then it's totally worth the money. I think that there's, if for I guess for lack of a better phrase, if they signed him to this three year deal, not not that you're going all in, but you're wanting to get you you need to get a Super Bowl out of those three years that Chris Jones is there. I think otherwise you could say, well, the contract wasn't necessarily well, well spent because it didn't, you know, the trade off. What wasn't a ring? I guess you could say the same thing with Aaron Donald, where he wins the Super Bowl, gets the deal. And the Rams, if he, if, if they don't win it this year, they won't have won one in his yeah, contract like, here. But I feel like there's the, having the trade off is good, but I think you need to, having the payoff of a Super Bowl obviously ends the question of whether or not it was a good Signing or not, because if you get the touch, if you get the Super Bowl, then it paid off. Yeah, I'm not even looking at Aaron Donald and, and how it's turned out the last few years. That oh, they haven't won a ring since we all know that the Rams sold out and and yeah. won the ring, and they always knew they were going to have major cap issues. The Chiefs, fortunately, are not in that spot uh, even at the time of a potential signing. Like they are, the Rams already knew when they were talking to Aaron Donald about the extension that they were, they had already prior to that even discussion occurring, they had already mortgaged their future to win that one ring and they won it. The chiefs potentially could have be impacted in three years by what could be viewed as a bad deal. But this upcoming season, they're actually in pretty decent shape in the caps, but they're not anywhere near where the Rams were at. And they're just a better team than what the Rams were roster wise after winning their Super Bowl against Cincinnati. Go ahead. Which is why, to your point of tagging Legereus Sneed, why why not do it for for this one year? You know you're going to lose Sneed after this upcoming season, but 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 you tag him. You you keep everybody around who has basically been around that you can. You make sure that the defense is as good as it was, as good as it could be compared to last year going into the season. The offense obviously is going to upgrade itself. I think that also is the other thing too, that even if if you re-sign. Chris Jones and the the amount of impact that he has goes down a little bit. You know that an offense that had nobody other than Rasheed Rice and Kelsey as a receiving core is going to get upgraded. So while the, his production may dissipate a little bit, you know that the offense is going to hopefully pick back up where they were and what we're used to seeing from the past couple of years with, you know, the output of production at the wide receiver position. Former Chiefs offensive lineman Mitchell Schwartz, he talked with CDOT yesterday on the drive, and Carrington asked him, is Chris Jones worth this Aaron Donald type of deal? Is Aaron Donald the true top of the market, and then does he want inflation increases on top of that? Because two years ago was his best season. That was his first season when you kind of dive into like the stats and the advanced stuff that he played more similar to an Aaron Donald level. Um, you know, Chris plays a lot. He's on the field a lot. So some of the stats look really good in terms of the, the total volume of it. But when you look at kind of a snap by snap basis and the impact, um, he's had a lot of really good seasons where he's the second best guy in the league or, or in that top five. He's really only had that one season where he was truly at Donald's level in terms of some of the advanced data. So that's probably the Chiefs' perspective, saying you've only done this once. We're not going to like pay you when Aaron Donald did this eight straight years in a row. 
Um, so it's interesting. You don't really know what's going on unless you're in those rooms and we're not in that room. So that's Mitchell Schwartz yesterday on the drive. I, I, I still think the, the one hurdle that's tough for me to get over is just what has changed in the Chiefs' mind that would prompt them to now give him the deal they weren't willing to give him a year ago. And you may just say simply, uh, duh, man, they're they're going for a three-peat. That, that's what's changed. Maybe yeah. so. I, I don't know if you can operate that way when this front office has done such a good job of having this you know, broader approach to, to extending this window out. Because a year ago, they weren't willing to give him the Aaron Donald type of deal. They, they weren't willing to do that. Now he's a year older, and not that he, look, he was still phenomenal this season, but he had less sacks. Like, what, why would you now be willing to get to that dollar amount? And if you're Chris Jones, I don't doubt that he wants to be in Kansas City, but are you now so close to tasting the open market? Like, if you don't get tagged by, what is it, March 5th? If you don't get tagged there, you get quote unquote freedom, right? Like you, you get the open market, yeah. you get to really get the maybe the deal. Somebody will give you the money you're you're actually looking for, and you were looking for a year ago. So that's what's tricky, I think, about like my mind to get to where I think the Chiefs actually are going to get this thing done. But it sounds like in reading text, a lot of people also are factoring in. Hey, it's not just that even in two years, if you think Chris Jones dips to a seven and a half, eight sack guy, but what is the impact it has on? As you were alluding to, Drew. Karloftis and for that matter, Felix and Yudike Uzama, who's a complete wild card right now. Mm -hmm. We just, we just don't know what he's going to be. Um, I don't think it's fair to, to say for sure that he's not going to be productive or he is going to be productive. This is going to be a massive season, obviously for Felix and Yudike Uzama, but are you confident that if Chris Jones is not part of the picture on the defensive line, that Karloftis can go from being on a 10 and a half sack guy. Does he have the next step, the next gear to be a 12-plus sack guy and, and and be that productive without Chris Jones. Remember, Charles Amenehue going to miss a chunk of next year if they choose to not cut him. Mm. So I, I want Chris Jones back, but I, I just struggle to find why the Chiefs now would be willing to do something they weren't willing to do a year ago. Yeah, and to to that point, I guess, and that reason, if ultimately it comes back to you know age and when, how old he would be when it ends up, and, and he's been great, but they're, they're, if they do move on, not to say that, this would actually happen, but the second guy in terms of a free agent D tackle is Justin Matabuke from Baltimore. Projected contract wise, he's projected to have seven million less a year for a four year deal. He's also twenty six. Chris Jones is twenty nine. Not to say that there's there, there's not a lack of options outside of Chris Jones, which I think allows the Chiefs to really think about it a little bit more and not just like if if, if the market was bad. And this upcoming draft is is okay at that defensive tackle position. Maybe you're more inclined to pay that money in and just deal with it as it comes. But the fact that the market, I think, is a little bit stronger from a free agent perspective, I, and I, I think it allows the Chiefs to really weigh their options and think to themselves, if we move on from, from Chris Jones, maybe we can get a guy who's not as good, but is still a very good defensive tackle who can create pressure, get sacks that isn't going to cost as much. And we still have a solid defense around whoever that may be. We'll talk more about this with Pete Sweeney, our, our chiefs insider. He's going to co-host with me in the 11 o'clock hour today, as uh, we'll have multiple people stopping by throughout the show. Vern will stop by in the noon hour. I, I do want to get to something that broke right after we got off the air yesterday. Uh, and that was 
punter news, which is not normally something we talked about. I think this is interesting, though. If you were listening on Wednesday, we were going through stay or go. I think Drew was throwing out some players to Cody and I, right? And you yeah. threw out Tommy Townsend. We did. And, and we said, probably go because you're, you're not going to be able to pay the highest paid kicker or one of the highest paid kickers and maybe the highest paid punter to go with the highest or one of the highest paid quarterbacks and et cetera, as we're talking about what they may have to do for Chris Jones. And so if there's a position that you can uh, not pay the highest money, it's, it's punter as much as everybody likes Tommy Townsend. And then fast forward to yesterday afternoon and his fate is pretty much sealed. It's pretty obvious. Uh, they're going in a different direction as the chief side, Matt Ariza, the former six round pick of the Buffalo bills, uh, punt God, as he was called in college yeah. out of San Diego state. And by now I'm sure a lot of you have read up a little bit on the backstory there, the controversy that surrounded him for a while. Um, the fact that a, a civil suit now has been dismissed in December, opened the door for somebody to sign him. It, it still happens. It's the chiefs, but this all stems from the suit that accused him of sexual assault and a gang rape at a party authorities declined to pursue criminal charges against him and determined he was not even at the party or inside the house when that rape occurred. And so that's why he is cleared to play in the NFL again. And again, somebody, somebody was going to sign him. I actually think from a, from a football and business end is a really, really smart move by Brett Veach in the front office. Again, we're talking about punter. I understand, but Tommy Townsend made like 2.7 million or something like that last year. You and I looked up the highest paid punter this past year made nearly four. So we're not talking a ton of money, but if there's an area on your 53 man roster, when you're trying to three P and you're trying to figure out a window yeah. that you're like, I don't need to pay the top dollar on it's probably punter. Not to mention Matt Ariza just as a, like a cannon for a leg, 80 yard just punts in college, flip I mean, it the was... field, man. Like you, you go three and out and you're inside your own 14 yard line or 15 yard line. I mean, I mean, he, he can kick it to the, I mean, he, he could completely flip the field to the opposite 20. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just insane. And so we'll, we'll see. Plus reports are uh, this morning that he signed a minimum deal with, you know, some injury guarantees. I'm sure some other things in there as well. So you're saving, I mean, they may have signed him to like a 700 or $900,000 deal on the, on the books for next year versus paying Tommy Townsend, who will likely get three and a half million a year somewhere, if not more next year, he signed drew Rosenhaus to be his agent. I think from a football angle, this is smart. You, you may have, you might end up upgrading or getting the same time of punting of ability drew with way less money. Yeah, no, no, I think that that that's the, the payoff is it ends up being, you know, if everything's good with Matt, which it seems to be you know, from a football perspective, a really good move to, to get that transition where you don't even have to, there, there's not even a, Hey, we, we, we might have to draft a guy or we just got to take an undrafted punter to see if we can get somebody different. I mean, th this guy was drafted. I think he, I don't know if he was the highest drafted punter in his class, but obviously if you're drafting a punter, that guy's got to be pretty legit. And then you look at his college highlights and just see how good he was um, while at San Diego state. And I mean, the, the, the payoff could be dramatic. And also this being said, uh, this is a good opportunity for the chief's biggest rival and the Bengals to, hop on the Tommy Townsend bandwagon and bring him in because they need a punter uh, as badly as anybody else. But it is interesting when you look at the, the, the I think this is a move that might even be forgotten by the time. It's not going to be forgotten by Chiefs fans, but this is a deal that Adam Schefter sends out that tweet yesterday and people are probably like, oh, the main thing is coming from the allegations that all happened while he was at San Diego State. People are like, oh, it's a punter. Who cares? But come December or January, 
when you need to flip the field and if a rise is back there and he bombs a 75-yard punt, people are going to freak out and say, that's a heck of a punt. And it's like, yeah, this is a great signing by yeah. Brett Veach. It, goes, it could go all the way back to what Brett Veach has done in terms of adjusting the cap just a little bit, the smooth transition that the Chiefs have made from one guy to another, and it, it could be a, a great blessing for them come you know January yeah. and December when you need a guy who's on low money to make a big-time impact yeah, this, in a game. This is a financial decision only. Like I see people on the tech side yeah. are saying Tommy Townsend was awesome in Kansas City. Yeah, it's not ability thing. It's the fact that Tommy Townsend, because of that ability – Signs Drew Rosenhaus. He's going to go get paid. Like for by a punter standard, he's going to go get a very nice contract from somebody this offseason. And so this was about finances. And this particular season, he was good in the uh, the Super Bowl. He was really good in the Super Bowl. But there yeah. are metrics. I hate. I'm not, I can't believe I'm about to bring up punting metrics. But it was not <laughs> his best season in the time he's in Kansas City. I saw somebody actually put that in the last three years. Uh, Tommy Townsend, when it came from net yards punt, this year he was 20th out of 32. The year prior, he was first. His rookie season, he was fourth. So it wasn't like it wasn't as good of a season for him. It just wasn't. But I think this was all a financial uh, move for Kansas City. They can get a guy on a minimum deal at a punter, the position of punter. I mean, you're I, paying you, the guy 25% of what you're paying or what you would have paid Tommy Townsend to be potentially just as good as he was, if not better, yeah, yeah. last season. Someone's, what about holding for Butker? I, I That's one of those where, like, Dave Tobe, I hired Dave Tobe for a reason. I pay Dave Tobe for a reason if I'm the Chiefs. Like, if there's any ounce of concern that by the time they get to the season, my guess is Winchester, Ariza, Butker, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll get that operation figured out. Remember yeah. there was the freak out a year ago because Dustin Colquitt came on this show, I think, or this station, I'm sorry. And, and there was that comment about, like, Tommy Townsend couldn't hold or whatever, and then that ended within two weeks. And then now nobody ever complained about it. So I'm not really concerned about the uh, the Matariza holding for Harrison Butkert thing. They have all offseason to work together to I'm, get that fee. That is very uh, low. A tiny, very tiny low. thing. Uh, plus, Harrison Butker has been this – something tells me Harrison Butker will get that thing figured out with him along with Dave Tobe. But, yeah, it was it was just a really thought uh, smart move. I think financially and even maybe football-wise for the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up in 10 minutes, though, what's the first big move you guys think the Chiefs are making this offseason? We'll tell you what one national outlet has to say are best fits for the top 50 players, which include a couple of current Chiefs and a couple of players that could wind up perhaps in Kansas City. But I did see uh, this crazy story heading into the weekend. Uh, Drew, you're the golf guy on the show between the two of us. That is for sure. We know you went golfing. I don't know if you bet on golf very often or not. Um, No, not really, but sometimes. Do you know the golf the golfer Carl Juan? Uh, or Jan? I don't know how it's pronounced. I do not. Carl Y-U-A-N. One better wagered $6,500 for him to win the Mexico oh. Open this weekend. Okay. He used four different apps in kiosks at two casinos in upstate New York. He would win over $524,000 if this guy wins his first PGA Tour event. And you're probably saying, like, why... Why $6,575? Why are you doing this? Well, because on Monday, this better, who must obviously have some money, said in a tweet he would bet $5 on this golfer for every like the tweet got in a 24-hour period. And a lot of times nice. you see those that are like, they're full of crap. Like around yeah. the, the Mega Millions, someone will be like, oh, if you like this, I'll give everybody that likes this $1,000 oh, or whatever. Yeah. You're like, okay, whatever. Well, he ended up with 1,315 likes. And so he, he made the bet. And I guess he had to go to different casinos to pull it off because they were probably limiting him. How's a uh, good old Carl, Carl doing in the tournament? Uh, I haven't checked today, but after round one, he was even. He was eight shots off the lead. <laughs> so he's got some work to do. Yikes. He's got some work to do. Could you imagine 
if this because the guy said I will bet on this this golfer for every like I get. He didn't say I'm splitting with the money. So if this dude won because of all this, he was keeping it. But yeah, he would get five hundred twenty four thousand. Pro- props I, I to am- him for actually making the bet because I think a lot of people he probably did it as a joke originally, or you would have thought at least like you were saying. I mean, it seems like a waste of money though. Right? Uh, yes, a complete waste of money, but. I mean, he, I guess he paid off what he said. I, it's not like he just did it and was like, oh, yeah, no, I actually didn't do it. I was trying to see the updated leaderboard. I don't know if he's teed off today. Uh, he's tied for 51st. He's one under now through six today. So he's 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 he, better he better, than he was last night. He but. better stay there, otherwise he'll miss the cut. Yeah. Yikes, that's tough. One under the leader is uh, nine under. Can you imagine throwing 65, 75 down the drain on Carl uh, Young? I don't think so. If I'm betting that much money, I'm betting on the favorite. I'll say that at least. But that was the whole point of why people. But yes. that was the whole tweet thing. We're, I've we're never heard this. of this guy in my life. I, I have not either. I figured you would. I rely on you for the golf knowledge here. The PGA Tour is really circling a lot of new guys in, and I, I maybe it's because I don't pay too much attention to just like the regular tournaments, such as the Mexico Open. Um, some of the other ones I'll watch, especially I don't know if Tiger's playing, but there's a lot of guys cycling in with Liv taking all the. Uh, the high-profile names that gives uh, other guys an opportunity. All right, we're just getting started here on a Friday. It's Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Drew Nixon with you. Pete Sweeney will join us in about a half hour. Up next, the first big move you think the Chiefs are going to make, and what do some of the experts think that move is next? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Cody and Gold just getting started on a Friday. Alex Gold, Drew Nixon with you. We'll get to a move the Royals made in official in the last hour or so, but reports last night and what that move could mean for the future of a few Royals players and what it tells us about this 2024 season. Again, the Royals spring training gets underway this afternoon, right here on 610 Sports Radio, 2 o'clock. You'll hear uh, the Royals take on the Rangers. And uh, yes, Drew, at some point, and I'll wait till Vern comes in, but I'm probably going to have to put like five bucks on something related to the spring training game. Just some, just, just something to give me even more reason to care. What do they have like, like during it's, spring training? I mean, uh, is it more than just money line and spread? And yeah, so because as you saw the lineup today, it's like it's you know Bobby Witt's not even in the lineup and things like that. And the pitchers are going to pitch for one inning, you know, and that's right. that's all you're getting right now. Yeah, just money line. Closer to first pitch sometimes and later in spring training, you'll get some opportunities to do other bets. But right now, the Royals are plus 114 on the money line, and the Rangers are the favorites to win at minus 140. Over under nine and a half on DraftKings. So DraftKings is giving you totals? Okay. See, in Fando, I can't even find the totals. It's nine and a half. Usually high scoring. Yeah, I was going to say spring training is 
I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll do total, but I'll, I'll throw five bucks on the Royals or the Rangers, something like that, for the for the game this afternoon. Can't I'll bet, ask Vern for some. some too bad we can't bet Vinny gets a home run in his third at bat, like you guys are saying. Yeah. Last year, we would have been in good shape if uh, if that was an opportunity. We'll, we'll see. Obviously, uh, Vinny Pasquantino joined us yesterday on the show. If you missed that interview, you can find it on the, uh, the Odyssey app and 610sports.com. Uh, so... The big moves to come this offseason for the Chiefs, and, and, and what does that actually look like? And we've gone through the scenarios of what they may have to do financially with a couple of these positions, corner and defensive line in particular. So for a second, when I say first big move the Chiefs will make this offseason, let me take away what they decide to do with Chris Jones and Snead because I think that's that's kind of obvious, right? Like the, One of the first biggest moves is going to be whether or not they tag Snead or whether or not they sign Chris Jones to a long-term deal. Like, th- those are the first big moves. But if we take that out of it, I actually think it might be signing a left tackle, going out in free agency and, and mm. finding a left tackle and a long-term answer there. Now, ESPN put out their best fits for the top 50 players they perceive to be available in free agency. And so the number one player in free agency is obviously Chris Jones. And as I said, they list best team fit as the Chiefs. And if the Chiefs end up making a decision on on that, that obviously is the first big move that they have to make a decision on. But further down, if you're taking a look at some of the names and some of the players, what caught my attention was also Legereus Sneed was the 11th best free agent. They have the best fit being the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, which is, would be yeah for Philadelphia, they would love to have Legereus Sneed. Uh, and then where I'm talking about is tackle and. I'm not sold on the name they mentioned, but I do think left tackle is somewhere that they have to address. So they list Tyron Smith, former Dallas Cowboy. But man, the guy has missed 30-plus games in the last four years. Donovan Smith was injury-prone, but he really only had one injured season in Tampa prior to coming to Kansas City. And then this year, we know towards the end of the season, he got hurt, but then played really good in, in in the postseason. Smith is definitely an upgrade when he's healthy, but the dude can't stay healthy. That's that's what scares me quite a bit for going that particular route. But I do think the first big move, other than uh, making a decision on Senior Jones, might actually surprise people, and it might be an offensive lineman and not, oh, man, Mike Evans or Michael Pittman. I guess, is Chris Jones count as, as a big move? I guess, I mean, in this equation, I know he's played well, yes, on... Yes, I said, I, I, I'm kind, it does, but I'm kind of assuming, obviously, that's going to, one way or the other, that's going to first big move. Whether they sign him long-term or whether he walks, that's their big move, right? Uh, it'll be interesting to see with the, I mean, I guess, based on whatever happens, whether it be a wide receiver, I think wide receiver, they're going to draft no matter what. If they bring in a tackle in free agency, I don't even know if they address that position in the first couple of rounds because they've already got the answer there. They might draft a guy for depth. Oh, you're good I, I with guess, Wanya Morris? Well, well I know, I'm, I'm saying if they sign a guy in free agency, then we know where they're going at in the draft. Gotcha. If, if they don't sign a guy in free agency, then I think tackle is a possibility at, at 32. It, it'll just depend on what happens here in the next couple of weeks. I, I think they're more likely to sign a wide receiver, maybe not a, a big-name guy, but I, and I guess maybe that's not a – the, a big move that they make. But, I mean, if you sign a guy to be the third wide receiver, I still think it's enough given how badly the wide receiver room looked the, this past year. I, I think that's the, the route that they go first before looking anywhere else because I think it still opens up things on the table for them to draft a tackle in the draft or or, or sign somebody in free agency. Yeah. The problem is, though, I, I guess 
it depends on who's coming off the board quickly and who, of course, is having those communications already. I mean, who do you who do you want? I mean, Tyron Smith is 33 years old. I don't know if that's a, a turnoff. By I, any I want means, a but... long term solution, and that's why I say. So I I would like them to go off and tackle, but I don't I don't know if Tyron Smith is the is the guy that even though he's listed as a top 20 free agent available, is that's the route I want to go. I, I don't want a one year stopgap or a two year stopgap. And I know when we say long term, it's the NFL. You're, you're not signing a, a left tackle unless you drafted him. You're not ha- signing a free agent left tackle that's probably going to be with you for six years. I'm, uh, we're you talking like a, a three-plus-year left tackle. And I don't know if Smith's that answer either Trent because Brown? of his, his injury history. I'd be, uh, you know, I'd be intrigued, but that's also another guy. What's his injury history lately? How many games has he played in the last couple of seasons? You know, that, that yeah. I, I want someone that's going to be available. The I, I hear you on the the depth in the draft, and I know we've talked to our guy Bink about this. Tackle I, I is what the deep. direction is. The tackle is deep in the draft. However, one are they willing to spend pick thirty two on a tackle? And is Andy Reid willing to start a rookie left tackle? Because this past year when they drafted Wani Morris, that was a mid round pick, not a not a first pick. Yeah, but a mid round pick. That was the debate and question we had, and they kind of answered it for us a little bit. They went and still went and signed the veteran. And Wanya Morris only started a couple games because Donovan Smith got hurt. Once Donovan Smith was healthy, they put Donovan Smith right back in, not Wanya Morris. I think Wanya Morris has a chance to compete for the job, but what's the competition? Is it, hey, we feel good about Wanya Morris. We're going to bring in a veteran. And we're going to give Wanya every opportunity to win it, but we're going to bring in a veteran. Or is it we're going to bring in a veteran and he's our guy for two years and, and we'll, we'll see where Wanya fits in? Because if they draft another tackle, then what you draft a tackle in the first round? That's the guy that you want to win the job. That one a Morris then at that point is just just depth for you. If you're drafting a left tackle in the first round, I think he almost has to start Correct. because because unlike Felix Andidiki Uzama, you obviously had depth at that position anyways. But that was more of a best player available project type of pick. If you're drafting a left tackle, one of the premier positions in the league, I think he has to start. I, I just. And I has know, to start. It's just Andy Reid, normal like starting rookie at left tackle. I know the position's deep, but I, I guess. Maybe it comes down to their their trust in Wanya Morris, I guess, as to whether or not they actually. I think bringing in a veteran is 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 smart for the reason of Wanya is still young. Yes, he got some reps, but bringing in a guy like whoever it may be, Trent Brown. Uh, they got Mike on Wayne, who also from the Patriots, who is a little bit lower than Trent Brown in the tackle uh, cat category. But if you bring in a guy that's got some experience, a little bit older, on say a two or three year deal. You see how it works out, and it's not like you're dedicating a lot, of, a ton of money to that position, and maybe you still draft a tackle in like the second round and see if he develops, or if Wanye, you think, can get even better than what he was. I, I, I think wide receiver is the first position because there's multiple. They, they they need not just one or two. They they need probably three of them. So they go that route, and then they might look at who at where where the money lines up for some of these tackles and then they go from there i i i, I don't know if i can the, I guess put it in as yes they're going to go for a tackle first it depends on the which wide receiver you you think they're getting because if it's the one of the first days of free agency then it's going to be a mike evans uh you know if t higgins didn't get tagged it'd be a mike evans t higgins michael pittman junior uh, Hollywood Brown type, you know, if it's if it's curtis samuel or gabe davis i don't know if you those are guys you have to sign on day 1 you know, like th- that may not be the, the the guys that are, you know, during the legal tampering period already being reported as potential signees. Now, yeah. if they're going and getting the best left tackle available, that's the guy that's signed day one. If they're going and getting the best, uh, you know, defensive tackle outside of Chris Jones available, then that's a, that's a, that's a day one thing. So much of this is just going to be sorted out with how they handle Chris Jones between now and the next, uh, what, 12 plus days. That I mean, that that's 
what's going to dictate how, A, how much money they can spend, but also what are their actual needs and is there any trades in play? If you were curious, though, so ESPN Plus put out, as I said, their best fits for some of the top free agents. They listed uh, Austin Eckler, best fit, Kansas City. Legereus Sneed, best fit to the Eagles. Chris Jones, best fit to Kansas City. Um, and, and then, uh, in particular, they were they were going through a few other positions. And the reason why we were discussing um, potentially who else could come to Kansas City, other than Austin Eckler, I just lost track of it. I had a second to go. Of who, they, they listed somebody else that was, in their mind, a best fit for Kansas City was, oh, yeah, Tyron Smith, the, the tackle you and I were talking about earlier. There, there's, I guess... If Austin Eckler's signed, I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I think Austin, yeah. if he, if they bring him in, it's got to be a split carry situation because there's no way that Austin Eckler is going to take a back seat. I don't think he's going to want to get a role where he at least can play. Maybe, I don't know if it, his situation might end up like Dalvin Cooks though, where he's just not signed by anybody. And he's like, well, I got to take, I'm, you know, I want to play with somebody. So I'm just going to take a job and, and, and just, and just try to play. But I think to your point, what you said yesterday, Gold, is if you're going to get Austin Eckler and he's going to be your backup, why would you waste yeah, that, that, that money and, and spend it on a on a sixth or seventh round guy or even a fifth round guy, whatever the case may be, who you like, who can maybe fit as the spell to, to Pacheco? Yeah, what was the projection yesterday? You, you threw it out there. Oh, it was... A, Two years, I want to say it was going to be eight two, million two dollars years, a year. Or two something. years around like sixteen million total, or yeah, some something along those lines. That's crazy for the Chiefs situation. Like Isaiah Pacheco, yeah. Do you need to have other complimentary backs? We learned that this year. You know, maybe he gets banged up. Obviously, Jarek McKinnon when he was here had a role. Clyde six point seven times. five mil per year, so, so it'd be a two year fourteen essentially. I just am not interested in doing that for a running back spot. Not not in Kansas City with where they're at as a franchise and, and the window that they're in and the priorities in other areas. You have Isaiah Pacheco on an extremely team friendly deal because of where he was drafted and we know the running back value and uh, where where the market sits. None of these contracts are crazy, but do I need to bring in a guy that's going to uh, basically kind of have a Jarek McKinnon type role, if not a slightly bit more in Austin Eckler and pay him six to $7 million a year? I, I just don't think that's smart allocating no. uh, allocation of, of your money if you're the Chiefs. Austin Eckler, I would love in Kansas City. I just, like anything, right, the, the dollar amount has to be right. And that one, to me, you can get another receiving type of back even though I thought Pacheco got better as a receiving option this year, you got to have another running back. But to me, you can find another, whether it's an undrafted guy or draft somebody in the sixth round. I just don't know if you need to spend, you know, four plus million dollars on a backup slash split back in this, in this team, other teams, because of where they're at offensively and limitations. Sure. But when the chiefs are, are paying Mahomes what they're paying, we want them to go, go and spend some good money on receivers they're maybe going to be paying LeJarrius Sneed $19 million on a tag. They're maybe going to be paying Chris Jones top defensive lineman money. Nick Bolton could be getting, you know, $15 million a year on a new deal here before we know it. Like, I, I just don't think running back, much like we just discussed with a punter, prior, positional uh, priority, uh, not really the spot where I'm looking to spend a lot of money, especially for a guy that's not my starter. If you told me Isaiah Pacheco was out for the season or something, okay, completely different conversation. Yeah, you need to go spend some money and go get a reliable back, but they're not in that spot. I feel like, too, if you... I wonder how much they're weighing, not just the Chris Jones production and all that other stuff, but also how important is getting a left tackle in there and who, in trying to allocate the money that that's necessary to get whoever it is, fill in the blank to, to be there. If they think that they can draft a guy 
and it's okay and they don't have to bring in, you know, uh, Trent Brown or whoever, then that money, I think, goes to Chris Jones and I think he's paid. If they think we can get a defensive tackle who's productive for $10 million or $7 million less a year, who's a little bit younger, and then use that money to help go after a yeah. proper left tackle. Then, and I think a lot of it revolves around the Chris, around Chris Jones in, in the end is Snead, I think, is taken care of. You would think that they're just going to tag him and deal with it. Whether they keep him later or not, it doesn't matter. Tag him, get it over with. But all of it comes down to Chris Jones. I think, do you, are you paying him top dollar? And if you are, maybe you sacrifice paying money for a top left tackle in free agency. And as a result, you need to draft a guy in that first round to try to give yourself a competition with Wanye in the, you know, in camp where you have a solid option at left tackle and not just crossing your fingers, hoping it works out situation. Yeah. yeah I mean, like you want to have the most complete 53 man roster possible, but I hearing what you're saying, I mean, look, the, the likelihood of them signing Chris Jones to a long-term deal and tagging Snead and going out and spending for top dollar wide receivers seems pretty slim to me. What right. About, right. Well, so even a top tackle. So, so as well as, yeah. So yeah. like to me, if, if Chris Jones is signed to a three-year deal, there's a chance that in year one, it's only like 12 to $15 million on the books. And then it's the following year where it picks up. So, okay, so let's say it's 12. We kind of talked about this with Matt Verderam yesterday. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's 12 to 15. Then you tag Snead, that's $18.8 million. All right, that's that's less money or about the same money as what the tag would be just for Chris Jones because the, the tag just for Chris Jones is $32 million. Okay, so you you can make that work for this one this particular season. Does that limit you, though, from going out and signing – I know everybody wants Mike Evans, Mike Evans or whoever as the top wide receiver on the market. It's a lot tougher. Yeah. And so I, I don't think you can. Offering. Oh, and again, as I mentioned, Nick Bolton, like I, you can't do everything. I, I, I think there is there a scenario where they could keep Snead and Jones. Yeah. It's, it's again, you Snead. just have to know what you're sacrificing by keeping Correct. them. And how do they feel that their best path to build this team back to where they're back in the Super Bowl again? You know, are that's they, where I think that you look at Matt, uh, Matt, Matt Ibuki, if you, if you convince him, his projected contract is 7 mil less per year, and the guy's 26, not 29. I mean, that might be a home run. I know Chris Jones is the better of the two of them, but in terms of saving yourself money that you can spend, whether it be to keep Nick Bolton or whether it be to get a tackle, a left tackle, which, again, as important as Chris Jones is, having a good left tackle is as important as having... I mean, if you... you got to protect, you know, Mahomes' backside so he's not getting blindsided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like... If you told me that they had to start Wadi Morris at left tackle and the trade-off is, okay, I could go out and sign what is perceived to be the best left tackle on the market. And you keep Chris Jones? That's, I, I no, mean, no. It's like, I'm, I, don't, I don't think you can do both. So okay. like, I, if I have a choice, I would rather, if you told me that I could have Chris Jones for three more seasons, but Wadi Morris is my left tackle for the next two of them instead of having what is perceived to be the best left tackle available... Yeah, I'd probably roll the dice, actually, and say, I'll go with Wanya Morris, bring in a, a veteran to, to back him up, basically, as sure. an insurance policy, and then I would still have Chris Jones. That's probably the route I would go. I okay. tag Snead, and I, I don't sign Snead to a long-term deal. And I just Bolton's tag him, gone. and I, I just have... No, I, I think I think Nick Bolton, you're going you're gonna to pass up, obviously, on Willie Gay, and we'll talk about this with Pete Sweeney. I think Nick Bolton, you can still get a deal done with in that scenario. I don't, if you're asking me, can they sign Chris Jones, tag Snead, sign a top tackle. left tackle and what? No, they, they, they can't do all of that. That's that's dreaming. Even though the cap is, 
is going up. So we'll keep talking about this. Pete Sweeney is going to join us in 12 minutes or so. I'll get his checklist for the offseason and how does he see the path going? Would he rather pay Nick Bolton to go with Chanel or would he rather say, you know what? Don't pay Nick Bolton, but pay a combination of Tranquil Gay and, and Chanel. Yeah. I don't think that's the path the Chiefs are going. I think it's more likely they'll pay Nick Bolton kind of top left, you know, top linebacker money, which isn't something a lot of people believe you should do. But I, man, it's hard not to to believe that's the path they go when we hear Steve Spagnuolo talk about how much uh, Nick Bolton means to this team. And it's remember, it's it's also making sure you got guys in the right spots and who's the the who's in charge with the green dot and all that. Like, do they have somebody else they think can actually step in and do that? It's not solely the hey, you know, he's not great in coverage, but is that enough to offset what they get from him? So we'll, we'll get into that more with Pete Sweeney in just a little bit. Meanwhile, the Royals, as we said, they got baseball. Coming up this afternoon right here on 610 Sports Radio as the, the spring training game will get underway. They made a, a, a move last night, now official today, catcher Austin Nola. Another catcher, so that's like three options now. You've got Salvi, of course, and then Freddie Fermin, and then Austin Nola. Uh, I, I wonder if this is, it's a one-year deal, by the way, according to Annie Rogers, and it's a major league deal. This is not a minor league deal, but he does have options. I don't know if they promised him anything, like they, they you know, that they they wouldn't send him down or anything like that. But he does have options, so it, it's not a hundred percent guarantee that oh, it's just going to be Salvi and Austin Nola on the major league roster for for opening day. But I thought it was interesting because Nola was in San Diego with Michael uh, with Michael Waka and Seth Lugo yeah. a year ago, and so is it just. Look, you can never have enough catching depth anyway, but I don't like, are they really going to have three catchers on the opening day roster? I don't think so. So who, what, what's the what's the change? Does something happen during spring training? I guess you're always protecting yourself due to injury, but the Brewers cut him yesterday and then the Royals picked him up right away. Yeah, I think that, he, I mean, he he's a good, just from me following the, the Padres a little bit more because my wife and I. Oh, is that your team? People uh, were asking I mean, on the text line if you're going to at least be a Royals guy. I, I, will, I will be a Royals guy. Okay. Um, but we we follow the Padres. I like Manny Machado. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, my wife likes Fernando Tatis, and their broadcast crew is great. Um, uh, anyways, <laughs> Austin Ola is. I mean, he, he's a solid veteran option. That I don't. He's not a. He's not a, a great hitter for being a catcher. Of course, not a lot of catchers are good hitters. Anyways, my big issue, I guess, with Austin Nola is that his his he allows steals. Mm. Um, yeah, but if he's a... And I, I, so last year, I think he, he allowed 38 stolen bases and just caught five stealing. So I think that there's... He, he's a good backup option. I don't know if he can be your guy. Well, they and, don't need and, him to be your guy. And, 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 <laughs> they have and several Perez. That's yeah. a, that's, and, and that's why I think that he's a good backup option to Salvi is he's a guy that can do the job, has the connection, as you mentioned, with with, with Waka and with Lugo. I, he probably is the favorite to be the backup, I guess, in my mind, for that reason. And he's been in the league for a long time and can can do the job at a good enough level where you're not concerned by Salvi having an off day and needing to go to a backup catcher. Yeah, we'll ask Fern about this when he joins us in the noon hour today to get his perspective on it. I, I think, yeah, he's going to be the guy that, you know, day game after night game, and he's going to yeah. be catching on Sundays. If that actually it's happens. It's a good backup it's, option to have because he started last year, a majority of it. Yeah, it's the very beginning of spring training. So based off of performance, injury, all that, this could all get sorted out as, as well. But I thought it was interesting that they brought in now a, really a third catcher that has a chance to be on the the opening day roster other than the obvious which is which is Salvador Perez so that was just a minor move the Royals made that official uh today I saw some people asking about could Salvi just play more DH I I just we have been talking about that for a couple years I think it's been pretty evident though that 
that hasn't necessarily been the path that they have chosen to to go down 100%. But yeah, I mean, I, I that to me would extend his career. That to me would yeah. obviously help his bat. But that also um, doesn't take into account something I think that they've been cognizant of, which is the legacy aspect. If, if you think one day Salvador Perez is going to the Hall of Fame, the, some of his numbers, why are they as impressive as they are? It's because he, when, he, when he is as a catcher, not as a DH. And so I wonder um, if that doesn't play a little bit of a role in, in all of this as well. I feel like with Salvi, Salvi's the exception to the... A lot of times, you know, you, you, you not necessarily move on, but you make adjustments based on what's best for the team. I think in this situation, Salvi's been so good to the Royals that not not that they would allow him to make the decision, but like, hey, man, like, do, do you want do you want to keep catching? It literally is uh, is up to you. Like, if we move, if you want to move to DH, that's something that, that we can figure out. If not, then I mean, it's up to you. They make him or they allow him to make the decision. I'll have to look it up. Salvador Perez, just how many games was he? behind the dish versus uh ing last season. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on the show. Someone says, man, Drew, you have strange. I, I'm sports. all over the It place. is true. Like, you, you grew up in Indy. We've already talked about this. Obviously, you're a Cincinnati fan. Uh, Bengals, that is. And you went to Butler, but you're really not a Butler fan. You're a Wisconsin fan. And then you're a Padres fan. I, I don't but know you never if I lived consider, in California, right? I, I don't consider... No, correct. I, I don't consider myself a Padres fan necessarily. I, I like... I'm... The the epitome of my, of what my wife is as a sports fan is she loves players. She she's a player focused person, not a city or a, a okay. team person yeah. as much. That's the way I am with baseball. I like a bunch of baseball players. A few of them happen to play on the Padres. The broadcast crew is great with Don Rosillo <laughs> and Mud, and I think that that's the reason why I love the team and I follow them a little bit. I'm not. I don't have. I don't have a Padres jersey. I don't have any Padres yet. here. Uh, I do have a little trash can, I guess, as a uh, like a piece of memorabilia. I guess, but I don't like a Padres trash can. I do. If I get a, if I get a Jersey, I'm getting a Bobby Witt jr. Jersey first and foremost. I'm not getting a Manny Machado Jersey as much as I love Manny Machado. I'm getting a Royal. I'm getting a baby blue Bobby Witt jr. Jersey that does not have the quick trip patch on it. You better buy one quick. I I know I need to go and get it uh, quickly, but now, now that he signed us the perfect time to get a Bobby Witt jr. Jersey. All right, coming up next, we'll get right back into the Chiefs. Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride going to co-host with me for the 11 o'clock hour. I want to get his priority checklist for this offseason and a trash of the day that is perfect for Pete Sweeney. Next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 